When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Flush. I'm your host, Heva, and you know, <laughs> we're here. We're doing it. We're, we're going to do another episode. It's, I, I literally don't even know what to say. So I have had a week. In many ways, a very, very good week. Actually, honestly, a really, really good week. I just am kind of down right now because I'm dealing with some family stuff. It's honestly not even that deep or that big of a thing relative to my usual family stuff. It's honestly, it's truly really not that deep, not that heavy or that interesting. And the reason I'm not diving into it much deeper is because also how many fucking times have I said the word deep already? We're one minute into the podcast, literally two minutes and 14 seconds. And I think a full minute of that was just me adjusting myself. So I think we're probably a minute into me actually speaking on this podcast. And I probably said the word deep 65 times. So, you know, if you're listening I was going to say on a weekend, but quite frankly, on any day, and you're looking for a fun, creative way to get drunk, maybe new drinking game, drink every time I say deep. You know, it used to be, um, I feel like I said, um, a lot. I've been trying to say, um, less, although I've put less effort into saying, um, less because I've put a lot more effort into saying like less. So, (laughs) so, um, is kind of on the back burner because, Do you think it's our internalized misogyny that makes us hate the word like more than we hate other filler words? Now, I do think in general we find filler words to be somewhat annoying, but I do think that like gets a lot of attention more so than the other filler words. And it's a filler word just like any other fucking filler word. The only difference is that like is a filler word that women tend to say more. So I don't know. I'm I'm just I'm just throwing it out there. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm off base. I don't know. But do you think it's possible that it's our internalized misogyny that makes us disproportionately judge like versus other filler words? Just food for thought. Maybe something, maybe something you can chat about with some of your progressive feminist kind of friends. Don't chat about this with someone who is of the boomer generation and of the XY chromosome situation because they're probably going to have a lot of comments like, oh, what is the world come to? You can't say anything anymore, blah, blah, blah. Some version of that shit, you know? You know how much I fucking hate when people say that shit? Like, oh, you can't say anything anymore. It's like, yeah, you can't say anything like that's not you can't just go around saying things that are offensive to people and I'm sorry correction you can say anything it's just that the first time for the first time in human history there are repercussions for you just running around town acting like a fucking asshole like when Kanye did that shit and people are like some of you know a handful of people are like everyone's trying to silence Kanye and freedom of speech no no one tried to silence Kanye he could say whatever he wanted case in point he wasn't in prison You know, no one arrested him. No one took away his freedom or his liberty for saying the crazy fucking shit that he said. But brands and other people are also allowed to be like, hey, actually, maybe I don't want to work with someone who is blatantly anti-Semitic. 
that's also allowed. That's also allowed. So I don't think anyone is silencing people. I don't think anyone is taking away people's freedom of speech. I think there are just repercussions for being an asshole now. That's all that it is. Now, I do think that cancel culture... I love how I'm literally about to contradict what I just said (laughs) a mere few seconds later. I do think that cancel culture has gotten out of hand, and I don't think that people deserve to lose their livelihoods because they have made mistakes in the past. But here's where I think the nuance is. Here's why I don't actually think that I'm... Also... (laughs) I love how this is what we're talking about now. <laughs> this is what the sh- today's episode is about, apparently. <laughs> Who knows? We're on this journey together. We'll find out at the same time what the fuck is going to be talked about today. <laughs> no, but here's why I don't think I'm contradicting, my- contradicting myself. I don't think it's right to want to cancel someone because something they tweeted 10 years ago resurfaced. That being said... I think that individuals and businesses have every right to make decisions on who they want to work with and support based on their morals and their values. I think you're allowed to not want to be friends with someone if they don't support women's abortions rights, if that's, you know, a value that you very strongly hold and you know someone else doesn't. I think it's fine for you to not want to be friends with that person. I think it's fine for a business to not want to do business with someone who's blatantly racist or misogynistic or things like that. What I'm not into is this society that we've created where we can't have open discussions. And we also, this is ultimately actually why I don't like cancel culture. It leaves no room for discussion and growth. I don't think we should be canceling people for mistakes. I think we should be educating them. I think we should be giving them chances. I think we should, especially because a lot of the shit is it's sometimes very nuanced and I think we're learning so much more than we ever knew about what actually is and is not offensive, what actually is and is not racist, what actually is and is not misogynistic. We as a society have grown and evolved so much in these regards. So we just can't throw things away every time. So, like I can't even tell you how many times I've said something and someone's been like, oh, you actually can't say that anymore. That's, you know, offensive to this group. And I've been like, shit, I literally had no idea. Like, for example, I was in a situation the other day and someone said powwow and it was a podcast recording. And afterwards, she's like, fuck, can we take out when I said powwow? And I was like, why the fuck is powwow offensive? I mean, is everything offensive now? And she's like, well, it's it's appropriating a Native American thing. Didn't know, had no fucking clue. Now I won't say it, but like it would be crazy to take away someone's livelihood because of that mistake, you know? Instead, we should be educating each other. We should be growing and evolving as a society. And if we're not going to figure out a way to do that, then all of the progress that we've made for minorities and underrepresented communities is going to go down the drain. It's going to, we're going to throw out the baby with the bathwater because eventually we're going to get sick of cancel culture. And I think the pendulum will swing too far in the other direction again. So, okay, that's my two cents on that subject that quite literally no one asked for. And I'm not even entirely sure how we got into, (laughs) but there's that. So yeah, I'm dealing with some family stuff. It's not that deep. It's not that heavy. It's not that important. And quite frankly, I don't even think it's that relatable. So I'm not going to get too deep into it. But oh, I, I, I now remember how we got really sidetracked. The word deep. Cool, cool, cool. If someone wants to start counting the number of times that I say it. Now, I do recommend if you're going to play this drinking game, don't do shots of liquor. Take sips of your drink. That's the only way to survive this game. So yeah, I'm just not in the best of moods. And all I really have to say on this is two things, maybe more than two things. We'll find out. You know, when I was in law school, I had this professor who (laughs) would say things like, he's like, all right, so I'm trying to think of a subject. For example, contract acceptance. 
I have, there are three elements to accepting a contract. And then he would say five things, or he'd be like, there are two elements to this. And he would say three things. Like it was, he, he, he would say a number and then never actually perform with that number. And then I remember when we had our exam, now a quick reminder about law school, you have no grades other than your final exam. So it's a really fun time to find out that you actually know nothing about the subject because you've had no feedback all semester. Honestly, it's a it's a real shit system. They should really think about redesigning it. Anyway, after the exam, and now one thing you can do after the exam is you can go and talk to the professors. And I do recommend if you're in law school, once you get your grades back, to go with your exam and talk to your professor and comb through what you did well, what you didn't do well, et cetera. I mean, nothing's going to change. Your grade is what it is, but it will help you in the following semester. So I remember he was kind of going over the exams because we had him both semesters of 1L for contracts. So it was contracts one and contracts two, which doesn't usually happen. You wouldn't generally have the same professor again in the second semester, but this was the one exception. So we had him second semester also. So he when we got our exams from first semester back, he was kind of going through common mistakes. And he's like, oh, you know, people didn't give the right number of elements for this thing. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I literally thought you didn't know how to count. So that's probably why. Um, Okay, I'm sorry. Phone is going on silent. I always fucking forget this shit. But yeah, so anyway, (laughs) (laughs) literally what were we talking about why did I forget how to count what was I oh okay the family stuff yeah okay a a few things I'm gonna say on this number one you can't fucking choose your family and that sucks and it's hard and the one thing that you and yeah I mean yeah you can't choose your family and that's it and I think you're also allowed to mourn not having the family that you wish you did have and I think that it can really really help to talk about this like uh, to talk about whatever's on your heart which I know sounds so simple but sometimes we don't want to sometimes we don't want to burden people sometimes we don't want to make a bigger thing out of something than it is like I said this thing with my family really isn't that deep or important so I haven't really thought to be talking about it with people but last night I was chatting with a friend and I just kind of opened up about the silly stuff. It's like I said, it's not even that interesting. It's uh, my niece's birthday is coming up. And so I'm probably going to go down to D.C. for it. And, you know, every time I see my family, it just brings up so much shit. And so there's anticipation of that. And there's other stuff. You know, I it, the long and short of it is I feel like they could take a little bit more of an interest in my life and what's actually going on in my life. And it just feels very disconnected and disjointed. And sometimes I feel very alone in this world, family wise. You know, I I have my partner who's wonderful. I have friends who are wonderful. I, I have chosen family, if you will. God, I kind of hate that saying. I find it really cheesy, cheesy that are wonderful. But my family of origin, I just don't feel like is as ingrained in my life as I'd like. And in some ways they are. I mean, we talk constantly, but it just feels very surface level. Like they don't actually really take a close interest in my life. And at some point it's like, okay, well, if you're not going to, then how are you really a part of it? Like I usually call my parents every night when I walk my dog. And last night I was like, I don't even want to call them because I just don't really feel like talking to them because it's all such surface level. Like I don't want to talk about the fucking weather. I'm sick of talking about the, there was nothing interesting to talk about the weather. It's hot and sometimes it rains. That's it. Okay, done. We are done talking about the fucking weather. Can we just stop as a society making bullshit small talk? I 
as chatty as I fucking am, I would rather keep my mouth shut than have one more small talk conversation. Let's just fucking get into it. You know what? When you meet strangers next time, just dive right in. What was your childhood like? Let's fuck shit up. What are your interests? What do you like to do to pass your time? What lights you up? What do you think is better, sex or food? Just let's get into it. What are your favorite dishes? What are your favorite positions? Let's fucking go. Let's talk about real shit. Enough about the fucking weather. (laughs) Okay, so yeah, that's why I'm in an awful mood. Um, Probably can't tell because I usually just show up with kind of aggressive energy. But the thing is, I like the aggressive energy because it's a charged emotion, right? So it means I can perform on the show. But I've just been sad And sad doesn't make for a good show because sad is so low energy. So yeah, anyway, so here we are Um, in other news. So Ozzy came back and that's been wonderful. And on Tuesday, we went and got IVs together because, you know, couples who drift together. Okay, anyway. Um, And on Wednesday, we took Samantha, the dog, to Rockaway, which is a beach in Queens in New York City. And listen, if you're not from here and you've never been or you're from here and you've never been because that's also an option, It's a beach that's in New York City. So, you know, adjust your expectations. But for being technically part of New York City, it's honestly not half bad. Now, we went to the shadiest corner of the beach because technically dogs aren't allowed. So we were trying to go where, you know, other degenerates and lowlifes were hanging out. You know, other people hiding from the law were hanging out. And it was actually a fun vibe, but also looked like the part of the beach, you know, where you would get shivved. <laughs> so, um, but Sam had just the best fucking day ever. She was so happy, so excited, tail wagging the entire time. I mean, it was something she had, she'd never even seen a beach. She had never seen sand like that. She had never seen water like that. It was just an entirely new concept for her. She had never been in water like that. I mean, it was, it was so fucking cool. It was so fucking cool to see. And then I'm trying to remember what else happened the rest of the week. I mean, we also worked a lot. Oh, and then we had last weekend, we had our friends over this couple with their child who they said is two and three quarters, which is a fascinating way to represent your child's age. I mean, I think parents often do months, right? Like my child is 62 months and everyone else is like, I don't, I don't. Okay. So, you know, let's do the long division divided by 12, carry the two, carry the six. What the fuck is that? Like, can we just speak in normal speak? So I do really appreciate them dumbing it down for us non-parents, like two and three quarters. I can wrap my mind around that. I know exactly what that means. Thank you so much. I don't have to sit here and do math or whip out my fucking calculator. Also, I think about this at least three to four times a week. But do you guys remember when we were in elementary school and shit and we're like, why do we have to learn this bullshit every time we did long division and shit like that? And the teacher's like, well, you're, when you're older, you're not just going to have a calculator in your back pocket all the time. Hello? Hello? Guess what? I do have a calculator in my back pocket all the fucking time. Look who was wrong. Look who was wrong? I was also very good at math, so this didn't personally affect me, but it is something that I think about constantly. And, you know, I think about it now in context of ChatGBT a lot because I wish that our teachers had adapted to technology better instead of resisting the technology. Because once you get to higher levels of math, they let you use a fucking calculator for basic arithmetic, you know, because that's not what you're being tested on. What you're being tested on is more advanced math. And I wish, you know, they could have said in elementary school, like, listen, you're going to use a calculator for basic arithmetic, 
but it's still useful training for your brain to try to do it without. And let's say you're stuck on a desert island or something and you have some need for it that way. You can do it without. But it's ultimately the reason that we learn shit that we do in grade school isn't because we're going to use all of it. It's because we're training our brains. That's all that it is. And so I would like to see teachers now be able to integrate ChatGBT, just use the technology instead of resisting it. Now, I don't know how, and there are a lot of issues of, um, oh my God, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, plagiarism and things like that. But yeah, I don't know. Anyway, this is not a podcast about, you know, how to guide educators. <laughs> there are other things that we want to talk about. But yeah, so we had um, our friends over with their kid. It was so fun. It was so fun watching Sam, my dog, play with the kid and just run around. But honestly, the most fun is watching Ozzy play with kids because Ozzy is so fucking good with kids. Now, ladies or anyone really, this actually is not gender specific at all. People listening, there is no hotter thing than watching your partner be good with a child. Like there's just something about it, it, that feeling of, wow, this person would make such a good parent someday. Even if you don't want kids, I still think watching your partner be good with kids would probably still be attractive because kids are really fucking cool. And if kids like you, that says a lot about you as a human being. And you know what else? You know how pet people, pet people will know exactly what I'm talking about. If your pet likes someone, you're going to fuck with them, right? Like if your dog warms up to someone, you're going to be like, oh, I really like you. If your cat approves of someone, you're going to be like, yeah, I definitely fuck with you. It's like that times 10 with parents. If your kid is into someone, of course you're going to fuck with them, you know? So I don't really know where that was going at all, but yeah, so that's just kind of a recap of my week. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Oh, and then one other thing I just want to throw out there. So the other night I was out walking Samantha and we come back, go upstairs and the elevator came right away. We got upstairs and Ozzy's standing right outside the elevator and he's smiling. And I was like, what? And he goes, oh, I really hate it when I come home and the elevator is on five. So about 30 seconds ago, I sent the elevator down to the lobby. So it would be on the lobby when you came back from your walk. And all I want to say, if you're single, hold out for a partner who is that level of considerate because the way my heart flutters at little shit like that, little thoughtful things like that, uh, there's just, there really is nothing quite like it. Okay. (laughs) Another thing I want to talk about real quick is you may or may not know that I have stopped sleeping with my phone in the bedroom. It's been, it's been a good amount over two months now, actually, because I stopped on May 3rd. So what, it's been two and a half months. And people sometimes ask me, by that I mean probably one person has asked me ever what my experience has been with that. And I'm going to look at the sleep data from my aura ring right now and answer this question. So interestingly, my total sleep... (laughs) 
<laughs> took a deep dive in the month of May. So in April, I was averaging eight hours and 10 minutes. In May, I was averaging seven hours and 37 minutes. Now it has slowly gone up since then. So actually in July, I've been averaging eight hours and six minutes. June, it was seven hours and 44 minutes. So it has been going up since the plummet in May. But the thing is, I was sleeping I was in bed less because one thing that happened was I started waking up much earlier when I stopped sleeping with my phone in the room. So I want to look at some other metrics. So time in bed. Let's look at it by month. Time in bed went down substantially. So in April, I was spending over nine hours in bed. In May, I was spending eight hours in bed. So it makes sense that I was also sleeping less. Um, It's also been going up. My time in bed has been going up since May again. Now my sleep efficiency, this is where I think it's fucking at. So my sleep efficiency in April was 88%. In May, it went up to 90 fucking percent. In June, it actually took a bit of a hit, went down to 87. In July, we're back up to 89 so far. So I'm sleeping more efficiently. More of the time that I'm in bed, I'm actually sleeping versus, you know, just not falling asleep and shit like that. I'm waking up substantially less throughout the night. So that's awesome. I'm trying to think, look at other metrics that I can easily pull up the month. No. Yeah. Those are my resting heart rate. I can pull up by month, but I don't really know what to say about that. So we're just going to let that one go. But yeah, overall, I wake up far less throughout the night. Like I almost never wake up in the middle of the night, whereas I used to always wake up in the middle of the night. And I wake up earlier in the morning ever since I sleep without my phone. Now I should say Ozzy still brings his phone in the room. The light doesn't affect me. I don't see it. But in terms of just EMFs and things like that, his phone is in the room. But I've noticed no big difference between when he is here and when he isn't here ever since I've slept without my phone. So that's what I've experienced so far. I'm going to chart my results more and kind of keep track of how things go. But I am pretty committed to the phoneless bedroom situation that I have going on and It's been really fun to read in bed instead. And so I do want to kind of talk about the books that I've been reading. So the first one I read starting this journey on May 3rd was The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Excellent book. Highly recommend it to anyone. It's kind of old Hollywood glamour um, romance and... I don't know, fun. I I, I don't want to say more than that because I don't want to give anything away. I would rate it a 4.3 to 4.5 maybe out of 5. Then I read Verity by Colleen Hoover. Now I've read no other Colleen Hoover books. My understanding is that she likes to write kind of smutty books Um, This one has some sex in it, but it's also a thriller. I thought it was excellent. The suspense was excellent the entire time. You just, it's kind of creepy. You know some scary shit's going to go down, but you have no idea what. Um, I would give it a 4.8 maybe out of 5. I thought it was pretty fucking good. Pretty fucking good. And then I read The Paris Apartment, which I also loved. Now, my friend who recommended Verity to me said that she read The Paris Apartment and she didn't think it was as good. But I thought it was really, really good. One thing that's interesting about The Paris Apartment is that each chapter is written by... Different chapters are written from different points of view. So different characters in the book will write it in first person. Now, they're prime, most of the chapters are written by one character's point of view. So sometimes 
you know, subsequent chapters are written by the same person's point of view, but you do get the story told via different points of view, which is an interesting way to do it. And, um, again, a suspense thriller mystery vibe where you really don't know what the fuck is happening until pretty much the end. And I think that she does a very solid job of building up the intrigue and suspense until the very end. So I really fucking liked that. Again, I'd give it a 4.7, 4.8 out of 5. Really, really like it. Then I read Greenwich Park. Greenwich Park does a similar thing to the Paris apartment where the chapters are written um, from, uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought, from different characters' points of view. Again, you, you're primarily getting the story from one person's point of view, but you are getting multiple points of view. Um very, very interesting. Same kind of genre of suspense, thriller, mystery type vibes. It's about two couples who live in London, I think. I think Greenwich Park is supposed to be part of London. Maybe it's outside of London. I'm not entirely sure. And oh, I never said what the Paris apartment is about. So there's this guy who lives in this apartment building in Paris and his sister comes to visit him. And I don't want to say anything else because anything else I'll give something away, but shit goes down. And yeah, you know, suspense, thriller, whatever. Greenwich Park, there's two couples that are friends with each other. Actually, the wife of one couple is the sister of the husband of the other couple. So two straight couples. And um, there's... The, the wife, who's the primary person who you're getting the story through, befriends this new chick in a Lamas class. Oh, and everyone's pre- There's a lot of pregnant people in the book. Now, I did tell my pregnant friend to not start reading it until I finish the book just to make sure nothing like it's not triggering to pregnant people. And now that I finished the book, I can confirm it is not triggering to pregnant people. Excellent book. I'd give it a 4.8, 4.9. Excellent job of building intrigue and suspense. And then at the end, you find out what's going on. And then I just finished The Housemaid by Frida McFadden. It is Again, same genre of mystery, suspense, thriller. It is so, it's creepier than the other books I've read so far, but so gripping. I mean, I, with all of the other books in the beginning, I'd be like, oh, I just missed my last book. Do you guys do this? Every time I finish a TV show, I'm like this too. When I start a new TV show, I'm like mourning the loss of my last TV show. Like I'm not over it yet. I'm always like this. And I've been like this with books, but with The Housemaid, I was able to get into it immediately. I was hooked from the beginning and it is gripping and enthralling. And if you're a reader, you'll probably read it in like a day. It is very creepy and it has really, really fucked with my head. Like, in kind of an extreme way, but I 10 out of 10 recommend it. Solid 4.9 out of 5. I don't know. Am I rating things too high? I'm not leaving room for nuance. I don't know, but it's really fucking good. And today I went to the library and I checked out where the crawdads sing. I hear that it lives up to the hype. It's suspenseful. It's thrilling. And yeah, I'm going to start that shit tonight. I'll let you guys know how it goes. Let me know if you're actually interested in what I'm reading, but I have had a couple people ask, so I figured I would talk about it. And yeah, that's that's where we're at now. Okay. We have to talk about this Jonah Hill thing. Now, if you're not familiar, Jonah Hill dated... Sarah Brady, who is someone who's in the surfing world. I don't think she's actually a professional, professional surfer. Like, I don't think she competes, but I think she does kind of surf modeling. She is an avid surfer. I I think, you know, a lot of her income comes from 
sports modeling, surf-related things. I don't know. I'm not entirely sure. I just know Ozzy's super into surfing and surf competitions and stuff. And I don't think she's technically a pro, pro, pro surfer, but something in the surfing world, right? So they dated for a while. They have been broken up for about a year now. And he has since started dating someone else and actually fathered a child with this person as of recently. So Sarah Brady started hinting somewhat recently at the fact that maybe Jonah Hill was kind of controlling in their relationship, but she has more recently released text messages between the two of them that really show exactly how kind of fucked up the situation was. And I'll, I'll read you some of the text messages. Also, one quick side note that I find kind of interesting is apparently Jonah Hill really likes to date normies. Like he does not date celebs ever, I don't think. I think all of his flames or former flames are just normal people, which I mean, A, I think is really interesting, but B, if he is someone who is actually really, really controlling, then I, uh, sorry, I'm simultaneously trying to find these fucking texts, but I just want screenshots of them. Then it would make sense to seek out people who you have some level of higher power over. You know what I mean? It would make sense for a celebrity to seek out someone who's not a celebrity than um, dating someone who's kind of their equal. Okay, I'm trying to find the actual texts. And I also find the reactions that people are having to be really, really interesting. Basically, oh my God, why can't I find these fucking texts? I just want the screenshots of the texts. Okay. I don't know where they start and end, and I don't know if these are in a row or not or whatever. I'm not entirely sure. Okay. Um. So basically... He go, this is where we see, he says something about like respect, however you want to live your life. You only get one sort of done with explaining myself. And she goes three removed, referring to photos, not the video yet. It is my best surfing video. Would you feel better if the cover frame was different? Any more specific ones that bother you? He said, yes, one that isn't of your ass in a thong. And she said, not a thong, but K. Now, if you look at her Instagram, it's her third pinned post. And it's a video of her surfing. And the still or whatever, the cover for it is a frame where it's her from the back. She's not in a thong, but part of her ass is showing. Now, in 2023, good luck finding a bathing suit where part of your ass doesn't show. I mean, asses are just out. Now, the thong bathing suits are just a commonly accepted thing where that was never a thing when we were growing up. Right. But that's just asses are out. It's 2023. So, yeah, there's that. And then, okay, this is where I think it gets really interesting. He sends her a text that says, plain and simple, if you need surfing with men, boundaryless, inappropriate friendships with men, to model, to post pictures of yourself in a bathing suit, to post sexual pictures, friendships with women who are in unstable places and from your wild recent past beyond getting a lunch or coffee or something respectful, I'm not the right partner for you. If these things bring you to a place of happiness, I support it and there will be no hard feelings. These are my boundaries for a romantic partnership. My boundaries with you based on the ways these actions Actions have hurt our trust. Okay, I think that's all the screenshots there are. Maybe there's a bit more, but I don't fucking know. Okay, so we have to talk about this. Now, I have a few things to say. Number one, the word boundaries is really being misused here. And this is something I talk about often. Boundaries are not what 
other people can and cannot do. That's just being bossy. Boundaries are how you react to other people. So there's that. And then, so he is literally misusing the word boundaries. But on top of that, I think there's a deeper thing going on here of people who start going to therapy and then start using therapy lingo to be problematic, but act like they're so elevated because they're using therapy languaging. And that is really cringe and it's really disgusting. Now, I think he seems incredibly controlling, but I think there's a deeper thing here. And I think it's actually misogyny, plain and simple. I think it's misogyny. Like, I don't think that this is a way that men can speak to women. And the thing is, I had to look back on it and I've dated so many dudes like this and dudes that were so much fucking worse than that. But I also think there's an interesting conversation to be had, you know, so I asked Ozzy what he thought about this because this was all kind of popping off right before he came back into town. And when he got back into town, I was like, yeah, have you like heard or read anything about this? And he said, yes. He said two things that I thought were interesting. He said, Jonah Hill is an absolute psycho. What a pig. What a misogynist that is so disgusting. But also, I don't think that she should have revealed the texts because they're, it's their private communications, and I don't think she has a right to reveal it. And I was like, okay, interesting. And I want to dig more into both because I don't think psycho is the right word. I don't think it's that extreme. And this is another harping back on what I was talking about with cancel culture before. I wish that we could have these conversations. I wish we could have an open dialogue with Jonah Hill about why telling women what they can and can't wear is kind of misogynistic or boundaryless, inappropriate friendships with men. What are you talking about? Like you just sound like you're very, very jealous. Also, she was a model when you met her. So if that's something that was going to bother, and quite frankly, that is how you met her. He slid into her DMs from a picture that she had posted. So it's not like he didn't know she did this shit. It's not like something new happened. He already knew this is how he found her. So he went in wanting to change her. That's kind of fucking icky, is it not? Like, I think that's icky. So... Yeah, there's that. But I wouldn't take it to the level of psycho. You know, I thought that was a little extreme, although I love that for him. I love that my man's is such a feminist that he calls that behavior psycho. But then the other thing about the revealing of the text messages, and I don't know where I stand on this, because yes, you are entitled to privacy in your text communications with people. But then at the same time, I think that you're also entitled to talk about things that happen to you. And if you've suffered some kind of abuse, I think you have every right to talk about that. But then it's like, okay, at what level are you allowed to talk about it? And now she put it out there and she's like, you know, this is a warning to women. If a man talks to you like this, start making an exit strategy. And to echo what she said, I think it can be really hard when you date a really controlling man. They don't usually swoop in and from day one start acting like crazy controlling psychos. It starts with little things and it usually starts with things where you feel like they're actually looking out for you and trying to help you. A lot of really controlling men start as the kind of savior type of guy. And quite frankly, I think they seek out people who need saving because those people are easier to manipulate and to control. And I think that, again, that makes it make a lot more sense as to why he constantly dates normies. Now, I don't think that Jonah Hill is doing any of this stuff intentionally, by the way. I don't think he's out here being like, how can I be a misogynist creep? I don't think he's out here being like, how can I find women who are easy to control? In fact, I don't think he even thinks that he's controlling. I think that he thinks that he's being really progressive and really forward and really, uh, you know, like... Uh, has done so much therapy and knows what he wants and what he doesn't want. But 
all that being said, I also think that you're allowed to be like, hey, this is what I want in a relationship. And if you can't meet that, then we can want different things. It's just that I think that when a man wants a woman who's going to be really demure and not model and not do certain things, then he probably has some internalized misogyny. You know what I mean? Now you're allowed to be a misogynist, but I'm also allowed to not fuck with you if you are a misogynist. Um, Okay. But then, you know, I was playing this game with Ozzy kind of where I was like, okay, let's say the thing was that she was on OnlyFans or that she was making porn or that she was a sex worker. Would we call him misogynistic if he said, hey, if you want to make porn more power to you, I'm so happy for you. If you enjoy that and that's something that fulfills your life, then you're allowed to make porn. But I don't want to date someone who makes porn. I think we'd all be okay with that, right? Right? I don't know. So where is the line? I don't know. I honestly fucking don't know. But I have to say, this reminds me of when I was 19, I dated this guy who was so fucking awful. So we met, it was the summer after my freshman year in college, and I belonged to this gym. I don't even remember what it's called, actually. But it was, you know, kind of a nice gym, not Equinox nice, but this was before Equinox. So it was probably one of the nicer gyms at the time. And he was just there with a friend one time working out. Not really relevant. Anyway, we met in the weight room. We started talking. We exchanged information and we started going on dates. And at the time, I kind of only dated Persian guys and he was Persian. And I went to college in Williamsburg, Virginia, which was about three hours away from D.C., but I was from D.C. And this guy's from D.C., but he went to med school in, oh my God, I can't remember, Norfolk, Norfolk, Virginia, which is a 45-minute drive from Williamsburg, like 30 to 45 minutes, not far at all, but he's from DC. I mean, on paper, it seems like he was my fucking soulmate. Also at the time I would always date older guys. I kind of gravitated towards older guys. Obviously I had some unresolved issues that later became resolved and I started dating guys who were more age appropriate. So I was 19, he was 25, 26, something like that, which is kind of a substantial gap at that age, you know? Anyway, we started dating and the way that this man was so controlling and it really started with things where it's like, oh my God, he cares so much about me. Like he he wants to help. He wants me to be better. He wants me to be the best version of myself. And especially I think when you're that young, you're so used to fuck boys and you're so used to these guys you don't even give a shit. So then when you start dating this guy who cares so much, who doesn't want you to do certain things, it feels so good. Like it's so easy to be manipulated by that at that age. But then it got so dark. Like he was constantly mad at me for how I would dress. He was constantly mad at me for going out. I was in fucking college. Of course I was going out. He really acted like I was a possession of his. And every fight, everything that we would do, God, I remember we would get into fights and then he wouldn't talk to me for days, like literally wouldn't answer my phone call for days. And that shit would drive me insane. And then he'd act like I was crazy for going crazy when it's like, you're literally ignoring me. Um, it was so toxic. It was so dark. The way he would speak to me, the way he would talk about me, the way, oh, he didn't want me to be friends with certain friends of mine because, you know, he thought they were like too loose or whatever. It just, it really did remind me of the Jonah Hill stuff. But I think this guy was so much fucking worse than Jonah Hill from everything that I've seen. And it was so disgusting and it was so dark. And it really is so fucking hard to see this stuff from the get go. And 
honestly, I was planning on doing an episode today about red flags, like early red flags to look out for. But the thing is, I don't think it's so black and white. Now, I did actually solicit your red flags on Instagram. So I'm going to read some of the submissions that I got. Let's see. Let me go to the screenshots folder. Um, okay, this is my favorite one. Them telling me all their money is in crypto. <laughs> That's a pretty fucking good red flag. Okay, uh, told me they recently got out of a relationship, found out from his friend months in he was engaged and broke it off three weeks before our first date. Um, another red flag, defensiveness and close-minded uh, tries to convince me of his opinion rather than respecting mine, follows a lot of women on Instagram, took a work call during a date, woman insisted I couldn't possibly be over my ex because we were together for so long, would say I love them but dot 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 and talk shit about friends, family, coworkers, etc. Let's see, there's more. There's like pages and pages of these. Um, never having anything positive to say about their previous partners and referring to them all as psychos. Love that. Constant jealousy. Let me DM you tomorrow because this list is long, sis. Um, okay. There's a bunch of them, but like some of them are so nuanced. For example, took a work call during dinner. Yeah, that's not great, but let's say he's some kind of surgeon, you know, like, like there are nuances where that would be fine. So that's why I kind of decided against doing this whole, um, this whole like red flag type of episode, because I don't know, like there, I think it's such a simplistic way of looking at things. And the one thing I can say is look at your own patterning and do the opposite. So if you're someone who tends to be hypercritical of people in early dating, then maybe don't look for red flags even. If you're someone who, you know, tends to be a bit of a doormat in dating and you're always excusing things and you're always letting things go, then maybe be a bit more critical. But, you know, one thing that I do think actually is a red flag, and this is very gender specific, it's when straight men refer to their exes as psychos. That I think is one of the biggest red flags. I see it over and over again. Um, another thing, God, the comedian, I remember when we were first seeing each other, he would compare me to other girls that he had dated a lot and in, in a favorable kind of way. So it felt really good and I really loved it. Looking back, I think that was such a red flag. You know, I think someone who just talks about their ex a lot early on is a red flag. Like I used to do that shit when I was dating Egypt. I would talk about the comedian a lot. He should have seen it coming that I wasn't fully over that situation at all. Um, yeah, there's a lot of potential red flags, but the thing is certain things that we think are red flags maybe aren't red flags and certain things that we think are green flags aren't green flags. And what is a red flag for one person might be a green flag for another person. So it's really fucking deep and layered, but I think that there's maybe an interesting conversation to be had about how the world has changed and how, you know, we're learning so much about all of our own internalized misogyny and we all have internalized misogyny and what that means for the future of dating. And quite frankly, I don't have a ton of answers, but I do have a lot of questions and maybe this is a good place to bring up an expert in, but all I'm going to say is be careful out there because the people who are the most toxic in relationships don't present that way. And they usually start as the nicest people. They usually start as people who are really emotionally available. In fact, 99% of really unhealthy relationships that I've seen and 
personally experienced have started with people who were so in it from the get-go. And I was like, oh my God, like he loves me so much. He's so obsessed with me. He cares about me so much. And, you know, he's so emotionally available and he's not giving me the runaround like other guys. And I don't have to question where we stand and things like that. And then shit went haywire. And so be vigilant out there. If someone is seems really, really into you from the get-go, how could they possibly be that into you? They don't actually know you. So I think that should be a red flag. Anyway, I don't have a ton. I mean, I really actually could ramble on this subject for another 65 minutes, but <laughs> I'm not going to because I actually don't have answers. I just have questions. But yeah, I, I felt like I really had to talk about this and I have so many personal experiences around this. And um, if you guys have questions or want to take it in a more specific direction, let me know because I can revisit this. And um, next week, we're doing a full Q&A episode. So get your fucking questions in. And then if you're in the Blush Academy, don't forget that we do Q&A all the time. But um, but yeah, if you have questions, submit them now for next week's episode please. And also, I want to start doing a new segment every week. At the end of the episode, I am going to share three things that I'm grateful for from this past week. Now, this is a practice that I do every night, and it's three things that I'm grateful for from that day. And the reason that I put that time restriction on it is because studies show that doing this gratitude practice will actually make you happier and more optimistic as a person. But the only way that it actually works is you have to say three new things. You can't just keep repeating the same shit over and over again. And the reason for that is because we're actually strengthening the part of your brain that is looking for the good. So it's essentially think of it like a muscle. So every time that you search for good things, it's like doing those bicep curls so that you can get that bicep stronger and stronger. So at the end of every week, I'm going to share three things that I'm grateful for from that week. And I'm going to try to not repeat myself. Obviously, I might forget certain things that I say. Okay. I am grateful to have a partner who is so such a feminist. Actually, one thing I'm going to share. So this past week, we went to this... Um, there's some kind of editing software. It's a plugin for uh, Adobe Premiere Pro that both of us use for video editing. Um, I don't actually use this plugin because it's a lot more advanced than what I need. But this um, software plugin was doing this event and it was, you know, a happy hour at a penthouse um, in Hudson Yards. And so Ozzy said, hey, do you want to go to this thing? And I said, yeah, that sounds fun. Let's go RSVP. And when I was getting dressed to go, it was really, really hot. And I was like, does this look okay? And he's like, ah, he's like, this, this event is going to be full of nerds. Now, maybe there will be a few cute female editors that you might want to impress, but you don't need to worry about what you're wearing. It's probably mostly just going to be gross, nerdy dudes. And it clicked for me. I was like, wow, you know that women dress for other women and not for men. And he's like, yeah, doesn't everyone know that? And I was like, no, not everyone knows that. And a lot of my exes have given me so much shit about how I dress and how it's like too sexy or too this or too that because they were so psychotically jealous of other guys, whereas you totally get it. It's not even about other fucking guys. Um, so yeah, I'm so grateful to be dating such a feminist. A uh, One other quick tangent of a story. The other day I was talking to a friend and um, I was like, oh, you know, how are things? And she had recently moved in with her boyfriend and she's like, you know, I love him so much, but it's so hard living with a guy because it's so much more work around the house. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like my work around the house halved less, more than halved when Ozzy and I moved in together because now it's two hands doing the same amount of work. So yeah, I am so grateful to be dating a man who's such a feminist, who gets it, who believes in my rights, who helps out 
out around the house who's good with kids who would be such a present and uh, helpful parent and uh, you know chips in so much and is a true partner um I'm grateful to have had so much quality time with my dog this week including the beach and just seeing her face of joy being at the beach and I'm grateful to live in New York City where there's just random fun shit to do all the time and crazy people filling the streets and and yeah okay now as you're listening I hope you can list three things that you are grateful for this week or today and make this a regular habit do this with me in fact you know what go to the comment section or the review section and leave three things that you are grateful for this week. And if you're watching on Spotify, you can actually do that. There's discussion, room for interaction and discussion below. So let me know what three things you're grateful for either today or this week or whatever. And as a reminder, we do a giveaway every month. If you leave a five-star review, it doesn't actually have to be five stars. I guess you can leave as many stars as you want, but like, come on, don't be an asshole. Leave five stars. Um, I will randomly select someone who's left a review at the end of the month and you'll win a six-month membership to the Blush Academy. Um, Just leave your Instagram handle in the review or screenshot the review when you leave it and email it to theblushpod at gmail.com and I'll enter you into the giveaway and randomly select a winner at the end of every month. So you don't want to miss that. Help the show, help yourself. And if you found this episode interesting, please share it with people. You know the drill, rate, review, subscribe. Okay. Love you guys. Bye.